We continue our discussion of the fatal flaws of the LDS Church with Earl Erskine next on Polygamy. What love is this? This is the final part of our discussion with Earl Erskine uh, as he has written a book about his journey coming out of Mormonism and embracing the biblical Jesus. He yes. and his wife Carla went through quite a journey with this and and he has written about what he discovered in his examination of LDS church doctrine and history. The book is entitled Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church and certainly there are many uh, fatal flaws that are found in the church that are also found in the Mormon fundamentalist religions making it very relative for yeah. our uh, show, the purpose of our program. Um, welcome back again, Earl. Thank Thanks for sharing. Thank and you. we have an interesting discussion planned for today. <laughs> but first, where can they buy the book? Well, the book's available on Kindle and on um, uh, Amazon, and they can also get it at mscbc.org. Okay. That's a good way to do it. And just order the book from there. It's an easy read. It's a very informative read. I recommend it for anyone who um, is asking questions, maybe yeah. still in the church or in polygamy group and asking questions or, or not, and not getting answers. Or maybe might get some questions moving, <laughs> you know, get some things off your shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good point. Okay. Find out why they're there. Right. So we ended uh, with chapter 10 last time, oh. so we're going to begin again with chapter 11. We're just briefly covering the chapters, and, and uh, but there's a couple of chapters we're going to land on this time <laughs> with a little more detail. But it's not this next one, however, it could be one of the, this yeah. next one, but we're going to uh, go through it quickly as well. It's entitled, The Sacrament, Watering Down the Blood of Jesus. On page 193, you wrote, and I quote, The Christian focus of the sacrament is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and our relationship to him. It's all about Jesus. It is nothing about our accomplishments or our own righteousness, worthiness, or our impossible efforts to make ourselves pure. Now, in 1830, at the beginning of, of Mormonism and its sacraments that they established, they did use wine, they did. Uh, as the Bible instructs. Well, and the Doctrine and Covenants, I think, actually, in section 20, actually uses the word wine. The word wine. That's right. correct. I hadn't yeah. thought of that, but that's correct. That's they use water now. So, so what's the significance of that change, and what's the fatal flaw? <laughs> Of it. Well, a few months later, they decided, uh, they, Joseph Smith got a revelation that said, you don't need to use wine, you can use water. And uh, you don't, I don't know that it actually covered the bread, but when Jesus established the communion or the sacrament at, his, at the Passover dinner that he had with his disciples, he was following the tradition of the Jewish people and and uh, used wine mm -hmm. and unleavened bread. It was very important. It was reflecting back to the time of the Passover in, in Egypt and right. Moses and all. And so it seemed important. <laughs> he used wine and he used unleavened bread. And the church has switched over to water. 
and mm-hmm. has, and uses leavened bread. Yeah. Now, not that yeah. some Christian or in some circumstances you don't use leaven. That may not be so critical. But not using the, the uh, grape juice or some reference to the blood of Jesus is... The fruit of the vine he see, called Jesus. Yeah, called it just it. seems like a, a, a flaw. Mm-hmm. It may not be the biggest flaw ever, but it, it just seems like... We pulled away from Jesus just that much, mm-hmm. much more, you know. And, and then the, when we bless the bread, we're, we're expected to be worthy and, um, and keep all the commandments. Well, that's the tithing and the temple, if you've gone through the garments, the, yeah. all the callings, the word of wisdom and all that stuff. And so it's really a reflection of our worthiness. Yeah. In fact, they talk about if you're not worthy... Mm-hmm. Don't partake of the sacrament. Don't partake of it unworthily. Yeah. So you're supposed to be worthy, which none of us ever are. Mm-hmm. Not in their and sense. So there's right. a hypocrite, kind of hypocrisy there every time you t- partake of the sacrament if you're truly honest. But most people would not not take the bread or the water as it's being passed around just because others would look at them and think, oh, oh yeah, all kinds of you committing yeah. where we're all. We're all weak. So I think the fact that we've switched or the LDS church has switched away from the remembrance of the blood, which was the well, whole purpose of the gospel. And Jesus himself said when he did, when he instituted the first or the, at the Last Supper, yeah. this is the, my body, which is the bread. This, this is, is my, my blood, blood, which is the wine. Yeah. Do this, he said. And now, and drink body. this, remembering the blood body and the blood. Well, water doesn't represent his blood. The no. wine does. Yeah. So that they're, abs- they're, they're taken away from the bloodshed for our sins. Yeah. It's pretty significant, I think. It, it actually is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And well, disobedient. So I felt like that was a... Yeah, I think it's a very fatal flaw. <laughs> very fatal flaw. Not not really giving Jesus the credit and the, the blood. That uh, and one question that I ask about um, about the blood I, I, again, Joseph Smith. I don't know if he ran into problems with get, getting wine. I think he actually drank wine. And no, he did. Yeah, so I'm not sure why the revelation was necessary to switch the. Maybe people uh, were taking too much. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were, yeah. Well, we don't know exactly. We, we do maybe, know they had some uh, strange visions they did. in those days. They sure they did. They may have been alcohol-induced. <laughs> when, when they uh, dedicated the, the temple. The temple, one thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's move on to chapter 12, which is one of your uh, main discussions <laughs> and is very important to Christian, yeah. actually Christian theology as well as to the fatal flaws in Mormon doctrine. Yeah. Uh, it's entitled Gethsemane and the Cross, Seeking the True Atonement. Now, the LDS position is that Jesus paid for our sins by sweating blood mm-hmm. in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and before he was hung on the cross. Yeah. Explain the fatal flaw <laughs> of the LDS position. Well, a couple of things happened in the, in the Garden, and I certainly give I mean, I, I revere what jo- Jesus did, and I'm sure his prayers were just immensely intent and mm-hmm. intense and everything. But on the way out, he uh, Peter whacks off Malchus's ear, mm-hmm. and Jesus says, "Don't you know that I need to do this? Don't you know? Don't do that. Put away your sword. Don't you know that I need to do this?" Mm-hmm. Well, which means. He'd already done the praying, so at least according to that little episode, 
he hadn't really completed he all that he was done supposed it. to. Right. right. The other thing, and that, that was after his prayers in the garden. That was after the prayer. Right. And then the other one, I think it's in Luke, he tells about an angel coming and succoring mm -hmm. Jesus. Well, Jesus, to make his sacrifice, was left alone. And on the cross, he was left alone, but he was never left alone in the in garden. In the garden, he was with people. Yeah. Paul references the cross many times throughout his books, uh, writings, his letters. Uh, he never mentions the garden. Right. Not the once. The Book of Mormon never mentions the garden, yeah. always mentions the cross and, and that he would be lifted up. The whole representation of, of the blood on the, mm -hmm. on the doorway and again in the Passover and mm -hmm. all that is, is all referenced to the, have reference to the blood. No, the cross. And the, of the, cross. the sprinkling of the blood at the altar was um, significant once a year for the atonement of sins. Both and the, and the, the, the blood priest. that was sprinkled was from a dead yes. animal. Yeah. So the wages of sin is death. Right. And he didn't die in the garden. No, he didn't die. And, he, and there he, and then once he went through and the veil was broken uh, or torn, then he, uh, then he sat down with God because he had, he had paid the ultimate it. It price finished. with his blood. It mm -hmm. is finished. Yeah, so. yeah. So their atonement is totally, totally off. Well, it's just strange why they would come up with that. It's like you said, they move him back. back yeah, they move they him back and what the power of the cross really right. is for humans. And maybe it's the, again, we've talked about this maybe, but the cross was kind of a thing with Brigham Young and not wanting to appear... Catholic or Protestant or something. So again, Angel Moroni's that what appears on the temples, not the cross. But um, for him to, um, and th and then maybe they had to justify that decision. I guess perhaps I they can't, can't kind of come around. And why don't we use the cross? Well, would you put an electric chair on your neck? You know, if yeah. your friend died by the electric chair, but. The cross is so so important, and it represents the shed blood of, of Jesus, mm -hmm. and and his sacrifice the ultimate, for us, ultimate sacrifice. Right. My question, actually, to in the book I've written is, would there have been an atonement if Jesus had not gone to the cross? No. You know, if he had not paid no. the ultimate because the wages of sin is death. Yeah, he would not. He didn't have, die in the garden. The, the atonement would have been incomplete until he paid the right. price. Right, right. You quote Philippians 3.18 on page 207. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Does LDS doctrine fulfill this scripture? Yeah, they just don't have a, no. The enemies of the cross? Yeah. Oh, they are the enemies. I guess, yeah, they are the enemies of cross. They certainly don't accept it. I do kind of sarcastically in the book say that it would take just a very easy new revelation for them to adopt the cross. And you know the way the church is, certainly with this recent change of the name and leaving Mormon behind and thinking that. Don't all give the, them any ideas. I know. <laughs> all, all Russell M. Nelson would have to say is, you know what, it's been revealed to me that uh, the cross is important and they certainly mm. want to be more Christian and mm -hmm. there couldn't be any more anything more Christian.
take down Moroni and throw up a cross. But if they had the cross, it would, it would make them even even more of a counterfeit because they would, still don't believe in it, the Christian doctrine. I fully agree with that. Yeah, they would they would miss. They're not believing. It in would the be misrepresented. Jesus or the the yeah. biblical Jesus and and what the cross really represents in their doctrine. Now, this one, as well as the next one, is probably the two main beliefs that completely separate Mormonism from biblical Christianity. And this one is chapter 13, (laughs) Grace and Works, Dilemma at the Heart of the Gospel. And this is the heart of the gospel, the the one we just talked, the death of Jesus for our sins, and grace. Now, LDS and polygamists both have have adopted the Articles of Faith of the Mormon Church. Article number three says, and I quote, we believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Now, they're meaning the Mormon gospel here, not the biblical gospel, because that's different, okay? Now, how does that agree (laughs) with the inspired teachings in the Bible? How does article three agree or disagree with that? It doesn't agree at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh, if they dropped off the words, uh, we believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved, that would have been okay. Yeah. But when they yeah. said by obedience and by the command, uh, ordinances of the gospel. So, no, um, this is an important one. And Very. I point out that the nature of God's important. It's so difficult to put your finger on it. But the grace and works, that it just seems like that's a very easy concept to understand. And it's just convoluted in Mormonism. It is. In, in the it LDS is. Church because they, they are so tied into works. And you mm-hmm. can't have both works and grace. And Romans and, tells us that. And if you have even right. just a little bit of works, mm-hmm. then it's not grace. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, I, I felt like this was such a significant point. That and it's very important because it's the difference between an eternity in heaven and an eternity in hell. Yeah, it is, it is. That's how important it is. And the fact that if you if you feel like you're working, or if you feel like you haven't done enough yeah. to please God, then you've missed understanding grace, mm-hmm. what grace is. Totally misunderstanding yeah. it. And yeah. what Jesus did for us. That doesn't mean that you, and I know they use James 2 a lot, and I discussed that in the book too, faith without works is dead, but... Mm-hmm. But he goes on to say that it's by my faith that right. I show my works. And James isn't so, talking about salvation either. No, he's not. That's not the context. No. And so there's a lot of scriptures that support um, the grace, uh, that it's all about what Jesus did for us, his righteousness, his uh, sacrifice, his willingness to do. To his love for us. Really. His love for us, right. Yeah. Now, what about the many people have said it to me, uh, probably to you as well. I know they have to other Christians. This is too easy. How can it be? It can't be that easy. You just you just claim that you're saved by grace and go out and sit all you want. Well, I've written in the book a couple of quotes from Kimball and McConkie and some others that's that say exactly that same thing, basically, Mm -hmm. that you can't uh, rely on that concept of just grace. Yeah. It's too simple. It's too easy. Yeah, yeah. But once you understand that it's, I don't know what the real significant difference was for me in my thinking, but all of a sudden I became a new creature. Mm -hmm. 
You know, all of a sudden I saw things in a different way. What Jesus had done for me, it wasn't about me at all. It was always about him and what he did. And So no man can grace, boast. Yeah, it says, so for, no for by boast. grace are you saved, and that through faith. And he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That was so significant. Mm-hmm, I've mentioned it here mm-hmm. before. But I had a friend that uh, said, well, I've got some Christian friends, and they're going to be with us in heaven. And I said, well, no, they've, they've got to live the commandments. They've got to do all that I'm doing, you know. They've got to get baptized and all that stuff. Yeah. Then, that, then that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The only way you can be pure in heart is through the blood of Jesus. Well, and later on in the Bible, it says that our hearts are made pure through our faith. Yeah. So that's the pure in heart of Christian. That and people all do. that's required is to have that trust and faith in Jesus. Right. Then we can see God. Then he gives us his righteousness. Yeah. And because nobody, without his righteousness, no one will get into heaven. We can't get in there on our own because that's we right. don't have any. So we have to have his righteousness right. to get there. And that's grace. Yeah. And it's a gift. And gifts yeah, and aren't paid for. That's exactly right. I kind of point that out, that gifts, you, you don't get a gift and then say, well, what do I owe you for it? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Right, right. It so. is very, very important. Um <clears throat> You have a section of that entitled, What Latter-day Saints Are Not Taught. Now, all by itself, that would make up a book of its own. <laughs> maybe yeah, we'll even, true. maybe I'll do a couple of programs mm-hmm. on that. But what's the answer? Uh, what, how have you addressed that in your book? What they are not taught. <laughs> well, the only time I ran across the word grace was in the Book of Mormon, where it says, you're saved by grace after all you can do. And then they nullified the word grace by saying that. Yeah, they really do. So they don't, but I didn't understand that. Right. I read it many, many, many times. And we don't, we, in the church, church people do not talk about grace very yeah. much. And, um, and you yeah. don't hear it at general conference. You don't really, I mean, they say, they throw it out there. We're saved by grace or they, they might say things that are either biblical or, but that's not really what they believe. And I think that's one of the difficulties arguing or discussing with Latter-day Saints is the fact that they, okay, well, Jesus saves me. He's Mm -hmm. paid for my sins. Mm -hmm. But I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Right. I have to add to it. I have to do the works Mm -hmm. in order to be saved. Where Mm -hmm. You do those works because you have faith in, in the Mm-hmm. in what Jesus did. So, right, exactly. Um, well, let's move to chapter 14 where you talk about, which this is is a pattern that goes when we understand what grace is, what Jesus did for us on the cross, not in the garden, yeah. and we're born again, um, trusting the Bible and Jesus. Now, I have to admit that before I actually was born again, yeah. um, and I heard people talking about being born again, <laughs> Um, I did not like that term because they misused it. Yeah, it didn't strike me at all because a lot of people misused it. And, you know, they do crazy things. Oh, I'm born again, all that, you know. And it it just didn't hit as being genuine to me. Uh, Yet when I did, was born again, I read John chapter 3 where Jesus warned Nicodemus that no one can either see or enter into the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Yeah. Well, I decided if Jesus could use that term, you know, then yeah. certainly you we could, could too, as huh? well, and it was okay. But what does being born again mean according to the Bible, and what does it mean according to Mormonism? Let me go back just a second to, and this will kind of tie into that question, 
But the thief on the cross, for example, always had trouble with that. Yeah. Um, Mormonism does. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's where grace comes in. Exactly. If you've got grace and that person accepts Jesus right then and then his sins are paid for. He mm -hmm. doesn't need to They're be gone. baptized or whatever. Right. The same with, uh, and I use the word in the book, the reprobate uh, who lies on his deathbed. Exactly. Accepts Jesus as his Savior. He's uh, born again. Mm -hmm. And grace has to allow for that. I mean, grace covers that where he has not done, he's done no works. Right. But grace saves, saves him. And so what does, uh, your question is about being born well, again. Yeah, what's the difference between what the Bible teaches being born again right. is and what the Mormonism teaches it is? Well, born again, basically, in the Mormon culture, LDS is about being baptized. Yeah. That's their whole concept about being born again. Where, where in Christianity, it's, it's taking on the name of Jesus and accepting him as your Savior. And believing him. Believing that mm -hmm. he... He paid for my sins, and not because of me, but because of his righteousness and right. his sacrifice right. and his willingness and right. his love. Though he was willing to do that, not not about what I did. Exactly. What I can do, yeah. And like you said, including baptism. Yeah. Um, the water used in, in John chapter 3 is not the water of baptism. No. And, and they and, say it is. And Nicodemus understood that. He, he said, did. Well, how can I go back into That's my That's right. The he knew. No, he knew that it wasn't possible. Yeah. And yeah. and he eventually talks about and, the Holy and, Spirit. And Jesus left no room for discussion on that either. No. He said, you must. Yeah. You must be born again. Now, the born again, me, in other words, would need to be according to the biblical standard, not to the Mormon standard. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and one other thing about that, too, is that you've got, uh, um, I'm sorry, I lost the train there. <laughs> train of thought. The standard of yeah. The, the, what, well, the, I, well it's maybe gone. it'll come to yeah, it. It might. Uh, you wrote, <laughs> uh, "quote I've come to realize that Latter Day Saints really do believe in a distinctively different Jesus, mm. and not the Jesus of the Bible." Why does this matter? Why does it matter? Well, I would have to say basically that it, the LDS Jesus is a man-made Jesus. You know, he's he's not revered as God. He's revered as a God. Lucifer's uh, brother. Yeah, Lucifer's brother, our brother. Uh, yeah, our brother, yeah. our elder brother. And so he's, uh, I don't know, in almost every way, at the temple, in the sacrament, as we've already mentioned, in so many, the, the garden, the cross, all those things we've pulled Jesus away from, pushed ourselves forward and kind of pulled him from to the side. Yeah. And Jesus said in John chapter 8 that if you don't believe that I'm who I say I am, yeah. you'll die in your sins. And where <laughs> I go, you cannot come. Kind of tough so talk. <laughs> we have to believe in who he truly is, not who yeah. they... You know, the, and the Bible gives us uh, who he is. Um, and these are very important. These last three topics that we discussed are extremely important in the eternity of human beings. Yeah. What we believe is important. It's it is. very important. Yeah. And like I, you know, I always like to say to people, finding out the truth is the most important thing you can do on your, in your life is finding the truth. I do know what I was going to say. Say it. <laughs> Being born again, there's a lot of uh, a discussion about that, or at least I had to deal with it a little bit. I did not have a fall to my knees 
kind of a become a new creature, yeah. born again person. Yeah. Mine, better for worse, was more of a logical. Okay, this this yeah. happened. The 1830 Book of Mormon. Why did Joseph Smith change it? The different versions of the first vision. The Book of Mormon's got problems. Book of Abraham's got problems. Now I find this stuff in the Book of Commandments. That's really why I wrote the book. Right, just right. these dominoes just kept falling. And I didn't understand that uh, what was happening to me, but I knew it was something. And so when I finally got that little click in my head, this is not about me. It's about, it's about Jesus. Jesus. I think I've t said this, and maybe I said it last time about the garment. Did I on the cross? Go ahead. I, it doesn't hurt to well, say it, it was, again. It's just, again, after many years being out of the church, I was getting out of the shower and was going to put, I just reflected back, oh, I used to put on garments. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, those garments are all about me, that what I did, my worthiness, my getting to the temple, tithing, blah, blah, blah. Now I put on a cross, uh -huh. which says it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's what anymore. Jesus did for me. So I know some people go through that where they've, you know, either drug addiction or family losses or other things where they really are down to desperation and depression and all that, and they turn to Jesus and He does what He's promised. Yes. He lifts them up and He gives them hope and a new life, mm -hmm. new creature. And, and it's pretty darn again. exciting it when is. you realize what's happening. I didn't have that, and I'm only saying that mainly because maybe others are saying, gee, I don't feel like I ever had that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't. It's all different for everybody. Yeah. We all have a different and that's past, what Jesus and we said all have a to, different experience. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. The Holy Spirit, blows, the wind blows where it wants to. Yeah, It does its own thing. And that's, I feel like the Holy Spirit's done that for me. He has, yeah. He, he's done it in a way that wasn't uh, slap in the face. It was just, okay, this this can't be right. What I've been taught for 65 years just can't be right. Yeah. There's something, well, praise God. something wrong here, and gratefully well, I feel... And, and what got me was the grace, not works. Was it? Because of the heavy works environment that I was oh, raised in was just so burdensome. Yours was even greater and, than the more normal. Yeah, saints, well, in huh? a way they are kind of, but but that that no works well, was just. Well, I admire all it. you've done, Doris. You've worked so hard and done so much <laughs> to get this message out, especially to the polygamous group and, um, it, you know, gratefully I didn't. I was proud to be. A, from a polygamous yeah. family. <laughs> yeah. But I admire yeah. all of your hard work to help well, them I'm glad understand God the gospel. Well, I'm grateful God's given the opportunity yeah. and the, the way to do it. Now, on chapter 15, you have, and we won't be able to cover it here, but we might do a separate series on this chapter where you My have entitled chapter, it, yeah. Did You Know? And then you've got 27 miscellaneous problems. Well, these were so, things that weren't <laughs> we'll, really worthy of a, a whole chapter. Well, but they were just little tidbits that just say, okay, I uh, found another something that I don't agree well, with or can't really follow. And, so. and I think that we should do a series that'd where we cover those 20 cents, at least as much as, the, as they uh, apply also to the Mormon fundamentalists. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Earl. I'm Maybe really... we'll see you again. Yes, <laughs> perhaps. <Okay. laughs> Okay. Thank you, Earl. Thanks. He's been a great co-host through the years, too. You know, the bottom line, of course, in every discussion like this is, what have you done with Jesus? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples,
disciples, who do you say I am? And the answer to that question, of course, determines your eternity. And the answer is in the Bible. Jesus is not the way shower. He's the way. Uh, he's not Lucifer's brother. He's God Almighty. He is not God's literal son. He's God the Son. Jesus is God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the only Savior that God has given to humans. Mormonism and polygamy groups have changed who Jesus is into a counterfeit Jesus who cannot save anyone in reality. Now, Earl didn't write this book to destroy the faith of the LDS people, but to defend the integrity and character of the truth and the God of the Bible who Mormonism has degraded. We hope and pray that polygamists and the LDS members will investigate and compare the Mormon Jesus with the biblical Jesus and then choose the genuine Jesus. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.